Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, welcome back to a winning second week in a row, winning edition of the No Quarter Given podcast presented by the BuckPower.com podcast network. We're going to give you guys a little mid-season report this week. We're going to review the Seattle Seahawks, and we're also going to do a little mid-season report about the roster, the coaching, the rookie class, and all that kind of good stuff. We're going to kind of talk offense, defense, special teams, and no two better knuckleheads to talk to us about than Mr. Peter Blake. Yes. I and think Mr. Paul fun. Stewart, founder of BuckPower.com, all the way from beautiful mid-40s, mid-40-degree England. Yeah, I wish I was in Florida right now with you guys, Jason, but I'm still happy the Bucs got a win. That was Darcy's Wunderbar last weekend in Munich. <laughs> it is a little chilly here in Tampa today. We're in the, we're in the 60s. It's a little we're not used to this. I'm wearing a I'm wearing a long uh, quarter zip shirt. It's supposed to be cold tomorrow night on 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 uh, on the weekend. So trying to get closer to, to the England weather. All right. Buccaneers beat the Seattle Seahawks 21 to 16, get to five and five as we head into our bye week. First ever game in Ger- Munich, Germany, from all indications. The NFL was very happy with the event. Tom, you heard Tom Brady make comments about it was more like a an event than it was a football game. Just give you guys each perspective. Give, give us your perspectives. Uh, Pete, we'll start with you, Peter, about what you thought of the whole event in Munich, Germany. Well, I mean, who would have thought that it would be Julio Jones that would do the honor, score the first touchdown in Germany? And, man, what what a sight for sore eyes to see Jones, you know, basically uh, put on the Jets there with that 31-yard touchdown. And then on top of it, I love the game plan, Jason Powers and, and Paul, because at the end of the day, you run the ball more than you pass the ball. You get Richard White involved with it. Lenny was involved. Uh, not necessarily liking that play with the uh, – Whatever it was, Lenny throwing the ball to Tom Brady, who's 45 years old. I didn't like that. And then with that being said, Devin White, with all the adversity the last couple weeks, stepping up, being the player of the game, causing the major turnover to turn things around and take momentum away from Seattle was a perfect effort, honestly. Paul Stewart? Yeah, I mean, it was a whole big experience for the NFL playing the first game in Germany. Something I will tell you, Jason, is although all the players said it was fantastic, they love being there, the minute they get on the plane, they look at each other and go, thank God that's over. Because players and coaches hate coming to Europe for international series games. They understand why they do it, but they hate being there. It was a tremendous experience. The German fans really got into it. It was very similar to the first game that was played in London back in 2007 between the Giants and the Dolphins, because it was a whole new experience. But the fans were in the Alliance Arena an hour before. They were still there half an hour afterwards singing songs. I don't want to hear Take Me Home by John Denver ever again. I've had (laughs) enough of that song now. But, yeah, what a great experience. And the Bucs came away with a victory, which is what we really wanted to be talking about on this podcast. Yeah, the one thing you heard heard both teams complaining a little bit about was the turf over there. Very slick. 
Well, I'm not sure if that's a weather issue or if it's, a, if it's the quality of the turf. What would Paul, you, you, you know, the, 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 the agronomy over there a little bit better than over here. Is there, what are, are there any differences in the, in the turf over overseas than there is in America? I never thought we'd be using the word agronomy on a no quarter game. There you go. That's a first. Look at it, you, it, Warren, The Smith. very first game back at Wembley, it did happen the same thing with players slipping all over the place because this was a soccer field. So the same as Wembley in 07 was a soccer field. It's it's a lot softer turf because players in soccer slide into tackles. You know, you don't you're not make, making the sharp turns the receivers and defensive backs do. So the same thing happened. Sunday in Munich has happened early on at Wembley. Now, in recent years, Wembley have got better with their turf preparation, and that problem has gone away. I think you'll see that go away in the future, but it really did. Everyone was slipping, and I think the game plan altered for both teams because they realised they couldn't run some of their routes because the players couldn't stand up. No, no doubt. All right, let's get to the game real quick, and then we'll, and then we'll, hit, we'll hit the different segments of the roster as we do a little reporting. Bucks, Bucks again. Got the lead early. Again, Peter, you mentioned the Julio Jones early touchdown. You get the lead. You establish the running game, both Rashad White. It was interesting that he was the first guy, on, first running back on the field. So whether he got the start technically or not, he did. Um, you know, Todd Bowles made the comment, well, it was the personnel grouping that we used, blah, blah, blah. I think Rashad White got the start because I, I just don't think he wants to tell Leonard Fournette he's not the starter anymore. But they split the carries pretty evenly until Leonard – uh, left with the um, hip pointer issue, but I liked how they just kept running the ball, and you saw that offensive line finally start to open up some holes. Leverett, Hainsey, those guys did a pretty good job on the interior, and I just think you saw a little burst out of Rashad White that you're not seeing out of Leonard Fournette. Absolutely, and that's the reason why he should be the starting running back of this Tampa Bay Buccaneer team going forward because he has that burst. He has that elusiveness. He can do all the things that Lenny can do, but just a little bit better, and then at the end of the day, who didn't like that stiff arm on Diggs for Seattle? Just pumping up that whole sideline for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look back at it because that is a big-time momentum. And when you have a running back that's eating like that and getting all those yards and, and, and really being successful at the end of the day, that pumps up that line, that pumps up that offense. And once again, as we always talk about on this show, the no quarter given on BuckPower.com, when you have balance of that offense, you become that much more dangerous, and then you can start to go down the field. You can start to use play action to your advantage. Paul, speak on the deep. Paul, speak on the defense. I think they did a tremendous job in that first two and a half quarters. I mean, they didn't. Seattle didn't get nothing the first two and a half quarters. I think the game plan was good. They shut down Kenneth Walker. They really aimed to shut him down. The running game. He's kind of been their catalyst going forward for the Seahawks. Talk about the Buck defensive effort. You know, just to point out, just going back to the Julio Jones touchdown, it wasn't just the first time the Buccaneers have won the International Series game. That was the first time they've ever even taken the lead overseas. In all three games previously, they've, they've been behind from start to finish. No, it was again, it was another great defensive performance. And Todd Bowles and his defense have been doing this all year. They did it against the Rams with, with just one, you know, lap, laps on play that allowed the Cooper Cup touchdown. But they did shut the Seahawks down. Everyone was raving about Geno Smith being a potential MVP. I don't think so. You know, this was a great performance. And again, the, the, the secondary were providing coverage sacks. Down the field where you didn't see, they were blanketing the Seattle receivers. White and Dave were everywhere. You were seeing quite a few new players coming. Jannard Avery, people are going to go, who? Jannard Avery has been ta has taken the place of Shaq Barrett on some downs. 
Tyonshi Yinkers been getting more involved in the game. It really was an all-round great defensive performance. And yeah, you're right, until they went to the pre-bend, don't-bend defence at the end, Seattle hadn't got near the end zone. No, you're right. You're right. And, and Paul Stewart, I'm, I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you next time. There's a, the Bucks come overseas. You're going to put on a wide receiver clinic. Can we tell Scotty Miller we don't have to jump in the air every time to try to make a catch? Oh my gosh. Um, just how um, Peter has a man crush on Jalen Darden. I've got the same man crush on Scotty Miller. I do not want to see that guy on the field ever, ever again. And to, to go back to Buck's history, he reminds me of Danny Peebles. And <laughs> people go and look at buckpower.com and look back who Danny Peebles was, and you'll see why. Yes, I remember. Yeah, lots of speed, but very inconsistent. And uh, would get open. Uh, he just couldn't catch the ball. No, couldn't. I mean, and that's your biggest job. That's your job at the end of the day. You got to catch the ball. And, you know, you nearly drop it. You're jumping up. He, if he doesn't jump at the end of the day, he probably has a touchdown. He but... walks in the end zone. Yeah, he yes. walks in the end zone. Yes. All right. Bucks five and five. They are a game in front in the NFC South. Again, we get more help from the Carolina Panthers beating the Falcons on Thursday night to, to send the Falcons to four and six. I think. I think if we honest, if we if everybody's objective, and I think I know we are, and people around the country, it's the Bucks division to lose. I mean, the Falcons are not going to be a, co- a contender here. Arizona, New Orleans is cratering. Uh, what they're what's going on in New Orleans is is baffling to me. But just uh, the Bucks are in complete control of this division, up a game. Uh, again, you still got games down the road with with Carolina and Atlanta, and New Orleans. But the Buck, this is the Bucks division to lose. Again, if you're the Bucks, you have a chance now to go from the four seed potentially to maybe the three seed, maybe the two seed, but probably more likely the three seed. So I think if you're the Bucks, that needs to be your goal here moving forward. Yeah. Just something on New Orleans. They've already traded away their first round pick for next year. Yeah. They gave it to Philadelphia. So you've got the Eagles, who right now have got the best record in the NFL. They're going to have a really high number one pick because the Saints gave it away. Yep. Let me just have a moment of silence for the Saints. That'll do. That's a shame. <laughs> and they and they still haven't gone back to Jameis Winston. They're sticking with Andy Dalton, which tells you all you need to know what they think of Jameis Winston. I hate to say it, is that you know as bad as New Orleans is playing, and they're still sticking with Andy Dalton. Well, if you have Andy they're saving Jameis for the Monday night game. Yeah, well, right. There you go. And if you have Andy Dalton as your starting quarterback, you basically don't have a starting quarterback at the end yeah. of the day. And really, guys, look at the complexion uh, you know, right now of the NFC. Philadelphia just lost to the Washington Commanders. You have Minnesota that beats the Buffalo Bills. But honestly, if this Bucks team can get on a roll, which I think they can do in that second half, kind of shades of two, uh, 2020, if you will, they can get on a roll. Honestly, are you scared of Philadelphia? Are you scared of Minnesota? They eliminated Philadelphia in the first round last year. Jalen Hurts is somewhat inconsistent, has been better this year with A.J. Brown. You got Kirk Cousins of Minnesota. I mean, San Francisco. Anybody scared of these teams at this point? Still, at the end of the day, when you have Tom Brady, you have the best chance to win. And as I've always said here, until you cut that snake's head off, that snake's going to roam. Uh, and the biggest snake in Tampa Bay right now is Tom Brady. He gives you the best chance to win. He has seven championships. So for me, the sky's the limit for this Tampa Bay Buccaneer team. Yep, and and and, they, and they're going to have some tests in the second half. They're going to go to at they have to go to San Francisco, which will be a test. Cincinnati comes here. You know, you're going to see obviously New Orleans on Monday night. So they go to they go to Cleveland after the bye, which will be the last game of the 
Deshaun Watson suspension, so you're still going to get Brissett. So they got some tough games, but again, it's a doable schedule. I think if you can go five and two the last seven games to get to ten and seven, you got a great chance to get on a, to be on the kind of roll you want to be on. All right, let's let's do a little breakdown by the of, of the segments of the roster here. We'll go offense. We'll start with the offense. We'll go defense and special teams. Offensively, Paul Stewart. What are the couple notes and things that you're that you want that you like what you're seeing and that you want to see get a little better as we move to the second half? Well, my two MVPs for last Sunday were Robert Hainsey and Nick Leverett of the offensive line. Anyone would think I've spent the last month saying that's been the Buccaneer problem, which it was because you're talking about pressure on the inside. Tom Brady's the most immovable quarterback in NFL history right now. And understandably, he's 45 years old. So, and he's been getting rid of the ball quickly. And because there's been no time to throw up front, it means that you can't run the long developing routes, the deep passes. So it's, it's affected everything. Last Sunday, Hainsey and Leverick played brilliantly. And hence, you saw the whole offense open up. So this is what you've got to have going forward. Donovan Smith is a good, he's an average NFL left tackle. He's fine. Tristan Worth is an above average player. Shaq Mason's done an above average job at right guard. So it comes down to left guard and center. You don't expect Ryan Jensen back. Stinney's not coming back. He's out for the year. This is where it happens. And then everything else will go from it. But I know we're going to talk about the rookies later. Kate Otten's been a revelation. Godwin's getting his confidence back. And I think we'll see a different Chris Godwin in the second half of the year. Yeah. So at the moment, if I'm giving them a grade, B, B minus because of the problems up front, but there's the potential to be a lot better going forward. Peter Blake. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, you know, go off of that. I look at the wide receiving room. It's getting healthy at the right time. You have Julio Jones. Looks like he's finally healthy. We'll see. The bye week should help out. You have Chris Godwin, who's talked about how he's also getting healthy of Cade Otten, who's getting more familiar with uh, this offense. So I look at that because at the end of the day, that's who Brady's going to go to. And then Rashard White, could he be the X factor, ladies and gentlemen, because of Leonard Fournette and how ineffective he was that first half. Rashard White maybe gives that offense some juice. And once again, you start to establish that run game. The sky's the limit for this offense going forward. It could actually improve, get better. Uh, and it makes defenses accountable, which makes this offense, once again, that much more dangerous. The area I want to see improvement out of is the wide receiving core. I want to see the consistency of catching the ball, whether it's got, whether it's Evans, whether it's Scotty Miller, who we're going to, unfortunately, we're going to need. We, we don't know what Julio's status is going to be long-term, but you're going to have to have some contribution out of Scotty Miller. We, we, the drops, the, the leading touchdown getter for the Bucks is only three touchdowns with Mike Evans. That's scary after 10 games at the wide receiver position on this team. So we got to have more consistent play out of the wide receiver core, whether it's running the right routes or simply just catching the ball when it is thrown to you. So that's the part of the offense I want to see take a jump. Again, we got great players. We got Hall of Fame kind of players out there. There's no reason why we should be dropping the number of balls we're dropping. Yeah, too many drops. And, and that's what it comes down to. You're paid to be top wide receiver. better job absolutely all right let's go to the let's let's go to the defense the defense through 10 games has 32 sacks Vita Vea leading them with six and a half which is was kind of surprising when I saw that um which is a which is a great thing all the pressure up the middle 
Uh, to me, it's still a lack of pressure and turnovers is, to me, the big key. Um, Devin White, obviously, he's taken his share of criticism, played better the last couple of weeks. I think, Paul, you make a great point. I think the Buck defense has played pretty well as a whole. We're just not making a lot of big plays, impact kind of plays, turning the ball over. No, Devin White forcing that fumble on Sunday was the Bucks' first turnover in five games. The MVP of this defense is number 15, Vita Bayer. He is an absolute disruptor. And to be honest, he, you know, he's the best defensive tackle the Bucks have had since Warren Sapp. So I know that Joe McCoy might be going looking for me for that comment, but Bayer has been something special because he's not just a tremendous run stuffer, he's adding the pass rush to his repertoire as well now. Now, yeah, the Bucks are going to lose Shaq Barrett for the rest of the season. He's gone from IR. He wasn't having, to be honest, that much of an impact. There's been too much outside pressure not getting to the quarterback. Pressure's not sacks. So, you know, can Anthony Nelson step up? He's done okay, but he, he's, he's not bought, you know, an out-and-out out pass rusher that the Bucks need. So I think they're going to have to play a lot more contained rather than pre rely on the pressure up the middle. Linebacking's been fantastic. The cornerbacks and safeties have been superb. Winfield is a true pro bowler. And you see the difference on the field like he was when he was there Sunday to the two or three games he's missed. But right now, Todd Bowles has got that defence playing at a top five standard, and that's what they'll need to do going forwards. Go ahead, Peter. Yeah, no, I mean, Hakeem Hicks, for me, uh, getting him back in the fold, being healthy, that's definitely made a difference with that defensive line. And I want to see more out of JTS. I want not necessarily just see pressure, but also those sacks, not just running around, but getting to that quarterback and finishing off. And then at the end of the day, with those two big hosses up front, as my uncle would say, it frees up those linebackers like a Levante David and uh, Devin White. So you see the difference. And I wish this team would get back Logan Ryan because I told Paul and talked to Paul on the sports web. I think SMB looks lost in the sauce. I think that's the reason why you get a Logan Ryan in the first place to play the nickel, to play the slot. He gives you that veteran presence. I think that defense in the back end is that much better if you get back Ryan because that would that would be the only thing I would say right now with this back end is SMB is too inconsistent for my taste. An unsung hero for me is Jamel Dean. He's really playing well opposite Carlton Davis. He played really well Sunday against DK Metcalf. Uh, Todd Bowles is praising him in his press conferences. So I think a guy, Jamel Dean, in, coming into a free agency year is going to earn him some money, is earning him a lot of money by the way he's playing because he's really starting to play well. He's understanding the where he needs to be in the spots he doesn't need to be uh he's catching the ball when they throw it to him so so give jamel dean some credit um reserve wise again i think you're seeing the depth i think the depth of the roster is helping this defense as well you're having to play a lot of guys logan hall's getting minute getting plays golston nunez roaches is getting getting snaps here with akeem Hicks. but i, I like with you peter i think akeem hicks next to Vea really will help via Vea and the two outside guys moving forward to allow some more opportunities to pressure the quarterback. And I think that's kind of what the Bucks envisioned when they picked up Hicks. You know, he's going to be an upgrade over Sue. Sue lost a step. He still hasn't been picked up by an NFL team. And we know the biggest uh, conundrum, if you will, is can Hicks stay healthy going forward? If he can stay healthy, I feel like he's an upgrade. He can give you uh, that pass rushing skill. And on top of it, he takes the pressure off of Vita Vea. He takes the pressure off of the other guys. And once again, he opens up for those linebackers to really work and do their thing. And you see the difference. Devin White can get after the quarterback. I mean, he's a, a special talent when he can rush the passer. And the Bucks, I think, in the second half will start to explore that even more.
All right, let's go to special teams, kicking game. Uh, Ryan Suckup having a really, really good year, 22 of 25 field goals. Camarda has really, the last three, four weeks, has really punted the ball well. The first three or four weeks, he didn't punt great. He's, he's got a great average, 49-yard average. Remember the 74-yard punt against the Rams, which I believe was a fran- uh, tied a franchise record um, with, uh, help me, Paul, Landetta. Sean Lang Detter in 1997 against the Jets. Yep. So uh, Jalen Darden, let's give Darden a little credit. He's he's run the ball better on these returns the last couple of weeks. You're not going to get a whole lot in the kick return game these days just because so many touchbacks and stuff, so I'm not really going to count that. But, again, better blocking in the, in the special teams. Your thoughts on special teams, Peter Blake. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Suckup has been money. Everything that he usually kicks is he's made. I mean, uh, with the exception of uh, last Sunday missing the 52-yarder. But besides that, he's been Mr. Dependable even outside of 40 yards. And on top of it, Jake Carmada, punk god himself, is definitely – Easy, easy. He has given – He ain't punt. He ain't a god, please. Well, I'll tell you right now, the way he's punt as a rookie, giving that defense the opportunity for field position has been absolutely unbelievable. And like I said, I like to see more out of Jalen Darlin. He's getting better. But, you know, field position, that is a thing that we don't talk about enough because it's those hidden yards. But field position is so important for this team, especially with an offense that's struggling. Uh, you know, the better field position, the more of an opportunity you have to go down the field. If you got to continue to sustain these long drives, you know, it's not necessarily where you want to go, in my opinion. I always remember back in the day, um, a coach from NFL Europe, Cowboy Jack McNeil, he's been with Boston College. He told me one thing about punt returns. He said, as long as you don't fumble it, yes. as long as you don't commit a penalty, anything else is gravy. And that is so true. And every time I watch a punt return, that's what I first think of. Don't lose 10 yards. Don't turn the ball over and see anything else you can get and go from there. No, you're right. And to me, that's what Darden has done a good job. I mean, again, the returns have been better, but he's not putting the ball on the ground. You saw in Green Bay, they just released their punt returner who's fumbled five times, their punt returner, Amari Rodgers. He's give Darden credit. He's, he's not the most electric guy back there, but he catches the ball consistently. He gets what he can get. And you're right, Peter. He probably runs out of bounds a little too soon. But remember, he's he's 165 pounds. He ain't looking to run it up in there and get lit up because when you're 165 pounds, you ain't going to be 165 pounds lasting that long if you run it up in there every single time. So but, I, I get that, but you know, he's got that explosive nature about him. He's got does he does he? I mean, he's got speed. Uh, this the reason does he draft him in the fourth round round that's the reason why tom brady hand picks him so i want to see a little bit more out of him instead of running out of bounds i want him to be fearless when he's uh feeling that punt and i want him to make some things happen well he's trying i mean just going back in buck history in terms of being fearless the bucks had a punt returner in the the late 70s called danny reese and in one particular season he had 70 punt returns and one fair catch the entire season that truly is that will never be beaten in NFL history. But as I said, as long as Don doesn't fumble, that's right. Anything else is a positive. I agree. All right. So you're listening to the No Quarter Given podcast presented by the BuckPowered.com podcast network. Peter, Paul Stewart, and I are breaking down the uh we broke down the Seahawks game. We're giving you a little mid-season report. Remember, Buck fans, we will have a podcast for you next week as well, leading into the road trip to Cleveland. So definitely uh if you haven't already subscribed. Hit the little subscribe button on your on your device, and you'll get this podcast sent to you every single week. We're here. No montage this week because obviously there's no game, but we will have Paul's montage next week of the Cleveland Browns that you can also see Paul's video montage on the Buck Power 
dot on the Buck Power TV YouTube channel. So look, just search Buck Power TV. You'll see Paul Seward sitting in his lovely chair there in England with all the great pictures behind him, uh, giving the montage of the Cleveland Browns and all the future Buck opponents as we move forward. You can also go back and see all the previous montages from other from the first ten weeks of the season on Buck Power TV and this podcast as well, if you so are so inclined. This podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's Home Slice Pizza and Hank's Barbecue. For all of your restaurant needs anywhere in the Carrollwood Forest Hills area of Tampa, definitely reach out Beefo Brady's Home Slice Pizza on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue and Hank's Barbecue just north on Dale Mabry, just north of Waters Avenue on the left. For all of your catering needs, whether it's barbecue, whether it's sports bar food, whether it's pizza, anything you need as the holidays approach, reach out to Beef O'Brady's, Home Slice Pizza, or Hank's Barbecue. Games you want to watch Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday night, college football, NFL, NBA is starting, NHL is starting, college basketball right around the corner. Check out all the TVs, all the great setups, all you need for sports viewing at Beef O'Brady's on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. All right, let's get to the coaching staff. Paul Stewart, I know you got some uh, some comments and some opinion about the the coaching staff. A lot of lot of uh, early on, a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, indiscretions going towards Byron Leftwich. The play calling, who's who's calling the plays? Is it Brady? Should we go up tempo? Not. Just give me your general thoughts about the coaching of the Buccaneer teams through ten games. You can only play the cards you have in your hand. And Byron Leftwich has been hampered by these offensive problems. Now, the way I've always looked at an offensive coordinator is if you've got third and 10 and you call a draw play and it goes for 15 yards, everyone says, wow, what a fantastic call. What a genius. Say that play's stuck in the backfield and he loses two. What an idiot. What is he called a play like that for? It's a results-driven business. And too many fans, unfortunately, just look at it and go, oh, well, they haven't scored as many points. It must be the coordinator's fault. Go and fire him. Well, I'm sorry, that's wrong. You have to look at the whole picture. He's playing with half a deck, and you can only call what you've got. And you saw last week, as soon as the offensive line improved, the whole playbook is opened up. The results are better. So, as I said, this is a guy who won a Super Bowl as an offensive coordinator. He's been considered for various NFL coaching jobs. He's a good coach. But as I said, he's got the greatest quarterback of all time. It's not Brady calling the plays. It is Byron Leftwich calling them and the formations. He will make the personnel changes when necessary. And I'm one of these people. The criticism was completely undeserved. Before I get to you, Peter Blake, real quick. Interesting comments out of Bruce Arians this week. He called out Tom Brady in the first half of the year. He goes, Tom wasn't playing good. And that's not Byron Leftwich's fault. Byron called a lot of plays. And if I guarantee if we saw the film, the all 22, guys are probably open at times when either Tom threw the ball too soon, inaccurate, whatever. So I give Bruce Arians credit for calling out Tom Brady. And again, he has every, he has every right to be not playing great with what he was going through. And he also made the comment, you finally are starting to see Tom Brady smile again after at practices. And he looked happy at the Munich game at the press conferences, you know, his, the divorce is final. Now we all know about it. It's over. And I think you'll see a freer, more happy Tom Brady, which will be, be better play. 
Yeah, I mean, throwing I mean... it too soon is the key to that question because I've watched some of his all twenty-two plays, and Brady is scared to get hit. Yes. He's forty-five years old; he doesn't want to get hit up the middle, you know. So that's why he was throwing it too soon, and that's why I look bad on receivers. Sorry, Pete. Sorry, Pete. You jump back in there. No, 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 no. I understand. And and look, at the end of the day, you know, we don't know what the distraction process was with Tom Brady, and you know, going through, uh, you know, divorce and everything like that, but. I don't necessarily, I, I, I'm not necessarily going to sit here and just say it was Byron Leftwich and, and the coaching and, and, you know, the play calls. I think also Brady wasn't playing up to the level that yeah. a lot of Bucks fans expect him to. And in order for this team to go forward, he has to play a lot better. He hasn't been as accurate. It seems like the distractions have definitely taken a toll in some cases. Is it the offensive line? Is it the play calling? Yes. But at the end of the day, it's also Tom Brady not necessarily playing his best football. And I think B.A. is somewhat correct. And it's the receivers dropping balls, too. I mean, it's a cumulative effort. It's a cumulative cause of why the offense has struggled, especially in the red zone. So I think, again, the last couple weeks has been a little bit better. And I think you'll incrementally see them with a bye week. They're going to have a couple extra practices involved here. I think this is an opportunity as we move into the last seven games to – to really see the coaching staff in the coaching really start to pay dividends. All right, let's get to the draft class. Last thing, and we'll get everybody out of here. Very good draft class so far by Jason Light. Rashad White's contributing. Kate Otten's had some big moments. Get a key. I know there. You know he's a young guy. He's not going to be perfect in day one, but he's contributed. You got Kamara punting the ball. Zion McCollum's contributed a little bit on defense and special teams. So I'm very impressed. I like what I see out of this the draft class out of Jason Light. Uh, except Logan Hall, the first round pick that has got to be the slowest player I've ever seen off the defensive line. I need to. I don't want to just see more from him. I want to see anything from him. Yep. Go yeah, ahead, Paul. Yeah, Kate Otten, for me, I mean, that's the guy that stands out. I think he's only going to get better at this juncture. Is you know, he's. It seems like he's developing some chemistry, if you will, with Tom Brady and Jay Carmada. I know I keep on calling him the punk god, but everybody criticized that pick at the end of the day and it's absolutely worked out. So uh, we'll see what happens, but those are the two guys that I got my eye on in the second again, half. Again, I think, I mean, don't that. forget, this isn't the first time the Buccaneers had a good tight end wearing number 88, Jimmy Giles, anybody. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, yes. And again, I think with, 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 as we move forward, you're going to see more and more Rashad white, which again, I think, I think we've all been hoping this was going to happen. And I think he's showing them that he's capable of doing it. Again, I don't think Leonard Fournette is going to get relegated to third down duty. He's going to still get his carries. But, again, I think it's it, the juice that you're seeing out of Rashad is going to be good for the offense. And, again, I think the offensive line is, again, the sneaky signings, the Nick Levers that we've never heard of. The, you know, the guys like that that are going to be contributing, I think, are, are going to be the ones. Hainsey, again, say what you want about Hainsey. He was a third-round dropping. He's playing. He's paying some dividends now that he's getting an opportunity to play. And usually, I hate to say it, it takes young offensive linemen a couple of years to really get in the flow of things for most offensive linemen. So, Hainsey's finally been in the system for a couple of years, knows what's going on. If we get Ryan Jensen back, that's great. But if we don't, I think Hainsey's showing that he can do the job at center. So, Paul Stewart, give me a prediction. What do you think the last seven games of the year, seven games left? Give me a, how many, how many wins, how many losses the last seven? Well, right now, eight and nine is going to win this division. I mean, as I say, New Orleans were a dumpster fire. Carolina are much better. And Atlanta, have you seen 
you know, Mariota play. I mean, that Atlanta-Carolina game, they did well to make two minutes of highlights out of that game. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen the NFL produce. So, you know, even if the Bucs go four and three the rest of the year, which they should easily, they're going to win the division. A three or a four seed is a home playoff game. A four seed gets you probably the Giants. Are you scared against them? Right now, I would say Philadelphia, Minnesota, and Dallas are all better than the Bucs. San Francisco is the team I'm worried about, and that's going to be the toughest game in the rest of the season. Since Natty coming in, that will be difficult. The other games are all very winnable. Five and two, I would take right now. Four and three would be the worst-case scenario. The Bucs are going to win the NFC South Division, and then we'll see once you're in the dance, you've got to be in it to win it. That's right. Peter Blake? They win 11 games. The only loss is the to the San Francisco 49ers. Wow. I like this team to get on a roll. I like the confidence and the momentum they have. And even B.A. talked about it. He's optimistic. He saw Tom smile. And by the way, Tom Brady is 2-0 and since the divorce. So there you go. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go five and two as well I think that's kind of the number I think if I, I think that's the you know realistically in their minds I think if Tom Brace says that we're 10 and seven and we're potentially the you know at least the four seed but maybe the three seed I think I think again you're gonna have a one home you're gonna have a home playoff game probably against an NFC East team either the Giants or Dallas is probably the one or two teams that you're probably going to see maybe even Seattle again potentially um, I think the Bucks will be very comfortable playing any one of those three teams in that in that wild card round and like you said Paul after that it's a crapshoot depending on what the weather is injury situation anybody can beat anybody in the NFC I think the NFC is wide open. That I think the Bucks are going to be having every opportunity in the world to make a deep run here as long as everybody can stay healthy. It's funny how you say that Tom Brady's been successful ever since his divorce. When I went through my divorce, I started the podcast network. Look how that's gone. <laughs> hey, that worked out pretty well for you there, Paul Stewart. I bet I bet Tom Brady's not going to be taking any, any jujitsu classes here anytime <laughs> soon, too. <laughs> I'm taking the uh, fifth amendment on that one. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, appreciate you listening. No Quarter Given Podcast. Paul Stewart, thank you from England. Peter Blake, thank you from over there in uh, – where, 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 are you on curfew? Are you, lunch, you got a lunch curfew? Yeah, I got I got to be back here in about a couple of minutes. I got to scarf something down really quick and get back on the phone and talk to some of these people who don't like football. So that will tell you everything you need to know about some of the calls I'm getting today. And we're in holiday. You got it. Peter over in holiday, reach out to us on, on our, on our Twitter feed at JPO sports, go to buckpower.com for all your Buccaneer history, anything you need to know, video, audio stats, Danny Peebles is your homework assignment. Folks look them up. <laughs> I'll give you one tip. He went to NC state. I'll give you one, uh, one nugget. He went to NC state back in the day. So Danny Peebles folks is your homework assignment and send me a Twitter feed, tw- a note on Twitter. Tell us about Danny Peoples. We want to hear from you. So appreciate the time, folks. Subscribe, rate, and review. Again, thanks for the uh, opportunity, Paul Stewart, to be a part of your podcast network. Keep doing the great work that you're doing. Peter Blake, thank you. And Buck fans, let's get to six and five. We will have a podcast for you next week as we preview the Cleveland Browns. Have a great week, Buck fans. We'll see you next time on the No Quarter Gift. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, 
you go to BuckPower.com. And as always, keep listening to the BuckPower.com Podcast Network.